Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr., Jesse Cofield, back with us and better than ever, repping proudly for her dog, Thor, which is awesome. Yes. Good that. boy, Thor. Like good boy, like Thor. that a lot. Yeah. Shout out to the good boy. Um, we are brought to you by Wrangler, made for the ride of life. Save 15% on your first Wrangler.com order using promo code GOJO15 and proudly brought to you by dogs. Uh, we got a great show for you today. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, leave us that five-star rating, and check us out live here Monday through Friday, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern on DraftKingsNetwork.com, DraftKings YouTube channel, Samsung TV+, Plus, Roku, and a whole bunch of other places. A lot of places. Wow. A lot of places, man. We're trying to be where everybody is. We're on mm -hmm. TikTok now, too. We're out here balling, and uh, that's good and important because we got some great guests today. Jake Bobo, Seahawks wide receiver and author of one of the best catches of the young oh NFL my season, yeah. going to join us today toe drag swag like you read about and john smoltz gonna be on the call for the world series for fox uh coming up tomorrow night as that gets going we talked yesterday a little bit about maybe not being so enthused about the matchup and so we'll talk to smoltzy and see if he's got a way to get us a little bit fired up about what's getting ready to go on one of the great uh in the starting five rotation for atlanta the golfers that they were how they all at least four of the five they would uh, on their uh -huh. days off they would figure out and then they would be golfing yeah, pitchers, 
always yeah. fall in. They're like quarterbacks and specialists in football where you just assume more often than not they're good at golf because yep. of the amount of free time they have. Uh, that's exactly right. And and then hockey players for their you, you can tell a hockey player his golf swing all the time yeah. or a lacrosse player. Well, I was going to ask, like, Jesse, was there any correlation for you? Because I always had friends that told me stick sports usually had a better time going and golfing, but I would imagine that's more of, like, hockey, the stick sport where you've got the stick below your waist like you would a golf one. I can't imagine lacrosse helps that all that much. Well, I played field hockey in high school, so I don't know if that oh. would help me. But you guys, fun fact about me, I have never been golfing. Really? Never been golfing. My dad doesn't golf. My husband doesn't golf. I just have never... I've never been golfing. Wow. We have Honest, to fix that. Yeah. Honestly, do we? Like, golf's like sports <laughs> fandom to where I think you're, like, indoctrinated in an early enough age where you don't realize how much anger and frustration you've invited to your into your life. Like, golf is only enjoyable a small percentage of the time. And the rest of the time, you kind of hate yourself. It depends on how serious you get about it. You know, uh, my <laughs> advice, Jesse, to, if you start out doing it, get drunk by the second hole. Yeah, and that's then, you know, that's then the game advice. is fun. Yeah, yeah I, then, then the game is fun. My husband and I were talking about it because, you know, we moved to the suburbs and there's a country club that we're like on the wait list for. And, you know, everybody golfs at the country club or whatever. And we were talking about it. And I was like, I think we should like get into golfing. We should pick up golf. And my husband was like, we have a toddler and we have another baby on yeah. the way. You do understand yeah. that golfing is like. Yep. A whole day. And then I was like, oh, maybe that's not such a yeah, good Yeah, you're going to want to put golf aside for a while. Yeah. There, there, there's no doubt about that. And, Mike, real quick, the Demopolis brothers, you, you and Jake played lacrosse with in grade school. Remember that your coach, Bobby Olson, you should yell at them for low shots. So that was kind of like a golf swing. They always yeah, had maybe. those low shots, and they were really good at it. <laughs> I say, Alex Demopoulos, I believe the all-time leader yeah. assists at Denver. So we were on to something with that team. But, yeah, the low to oh, high I thought you, I thought you meant at Avon Middle School when when all-time leading uh, scorer. He I probably mean, He definitely is. was the all-time yeah, leader in everything we did there. Yeah, we, <laughs> The rest of us were just like, give the rock to him, and everybody get the hell out of the way. But <laughs> maybe the low to high stuff definitely does translate to golf. I would like to know what kind of golfer Victor Wembenyama is. Wow. I have to feel like he is terrified bad at golf or can launch the ball like 800 yards there's really no in between for him uh but dad unfortunately last night there was a big gulf between what we all expected and what we all got i would actually since we're gonna ham fist a bunch of golf references into this victor Wembanyama's game one performance was a lot like my golf game just enough to keep you coming back for more because we watched that game last night and big vic went out there and played a total of 23 minutes. Yeah. Finished with 15 points, five boards, two assists, two steals, and a block in that game that Dad was largely defined by the large swaths of time where he wasn't on the court because he picked up five yeah. fouls yeah. with the worst timing on planet Earth. What was this experience like for you? I felt like I got tricked into watching a full Spurs game just to watch that little four-minute burst in the fourth quarter where he was on, finally on the court consistently enough to give us and show us all the cool things we expected. Well, to give everybody the facts, picked up his second foul with 43 seconds left in the first quarter, first quarter played just a little over five minutes in the second quarter. In the third, he picked up two fouls in the first three minutes after halftime and sat for the remainder of the third quarter. So... It wasn't by choice he only played that little. You know, it was fouls. And that's that was my thought process when he was picking up fouls as I was watching that game saying, well, he's going to have to be on the bench because this is this is the part of the game he's going to have to learn. 
You know, because he even, his first foul, I remember he looked at the ref like, really, that was a foul? And everybody, the announcer, everybody like, yeah, dude, that was a foul. I mean, you had no position on the defense. You're, you know, you're so used to your size just swatting balls. But, you know, that wasn't going to happen all the time here. And, and so he picked up those fouls. But he did have that fourth quarter uh, where uh, he scored nine points, you know, in, in like a three- or four-minute span where he was – and he was dropping threes. He was six and nine from – for field goals, three of five from three. So seeing that big guy launch from the, the three area is is pretty impressive. So you're right, Mike. We got kind of an appetizer to it, too. Okay, we see he can do that. You know, now, you know, what what's, what's going to be next as he stays out there as we get to see him more? The first is you hold your breath that he's not going to get called for early fouls because then you know he's going to the bench. Yeah, no, I, well, I was going to say, I hold my breath because I'm just worried, and maybe part of this is, like, past history with big men we are excited to see. My thing's always, okay, he got out of this healthy. Like, we got out of that as the start. We saw that because, Dad, for a guy that size to move the way he does, he's a big smooth. Like, as we try and categorize this player that really has a difficulty doing it, He's a big smooth. The way he moved doing all that stuff in the fourth quarter, getting some position on the fly in the low blocks, creating for himself on the perimeter, being able to shoot like that and pull up from three that smooth, it's terrifying. And he moves around like a Madden creative player who's like, yeah. he looks slow because he's so tall, but he's right, actually right. moving really fast and smooth. It kind of breaks your brain. Kyrie Irving was the first person to find out the hard way that the math on trying to shoot over that guy is a little bit different than most people early in this game. And so, yeah, it. it I was more relieved than anything because I'm like, all right, just get through this game. We saw enough of the potential and the reason why everyone was excited about it. Unfortunately, we just didn't see it consistently enough through the game, like you said, because of those foul troubles. So it, it's going to be a process over the season, but I think we saw enough of the promise to go, okay, I get why everyone was yeah. excited. I get what everyone's looking forward to. Because, you, you know, you, we see the shot from the outside. You know he can. He, he should be he should be decent by the basket. Now we're waiting to see if she'd be grabbing rebounds. How is his passing? He had a couple assists last night. Just one block, and I do think that's going to be what the rest of the players in the league are trying to figure out that you're playing against him. What's your range? You know, for most people, you think you know when you can shoot over someone and not get blocked. With, with Victor, it's going to be a little different. And some people are going to learn the hard way. Said, oh, my God, okay, his reach is ridiculous. He's like Gumby out here, and he's able to block it, you know, standing 20 feet away from me, so I got have to adjust. But, yeah, I mean, we're waiting to see the maturation, right? It was just game one. As a matter of fact, as I talked to you about in the beginning of the show, all five top picks lost in their games last night. So yeah. uh, what, it, a, what a surprise, a bunch of players that went to bad teams all lost basketball yeah. games. A, 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 exactly right. And for those who may have forgotten, Brandon Miller went to Charlotte. They lost. Scoot Henderson went to Portland. They lost. And then the Twins, uh, Amon and Asur uh, Thompson, they lost. One went to Houston. Uh, Amon went to Houston. Asur went to Detroit. They lost. So, yeah, I mean, they're they're on a bunch of bad teams. But th this, this was – what we wanted to watch. And it wasn't, I wasn't expecting this triple double, but what I was expecting is maybe not the least amount of time to be in foul trouble like that, but to see how he was going to play and say, okay, all right, he's got this part of it down. He's a smooth shooter. He's another big man away from the basket. So where do you think the other elements of his game can pick up? 
Yeah, I just more found myself mad when he was off the court because mm-hmm. I was here for one thing. This was transactional. Yeah, yeah. This is game one of 82. Yeah. I'm not all that invested in the rest of the Spurs. No offense to those guys. Like I want to make it abundantly clear. I hope all those young men accomplish their goals and dreams. I hope all of them have a great time, and I hope the Spurs have a great season so they can have fun. I wasn't there to watch any of them. I was not going to volunteer myself to watch Spurs basketball were it not for this young man in Victor Wembanyama. I even found myself doing the thing, and this was like a toddler reaction for me, but every time a non-Wemby would shoot, I was upset. You were mad. I was like, I want to watch one thing here. Let's just (laughs) funnel the ball to the big guy and let him do the cool stuff right now so I can get my money's worth out of this TV experience. And instead, what I get is Ryan Rucco, God love him, who's on the call for this game, having to make chicken salad out of chicken you-know-what, talking about how engaged Wemby is on the bench for his teammates. Yeah, I love Ryan. He's doing the exact right thing, which is still trying to sell the biggest story, trying to go and show what a great teammate Big, Big Vic is, but it was not the thing that I had tuned in to see in this game. Yeah, and oh, by the way, they lost. Luka Doncic just casually throws down another triple-double, 33-13-10. and Kyrie Irving has 22 in this one, and they get the win. San Antonio had the lead for a while in this one, but San Antonio, uh, again, loses this one. Dallas gets the win, and Luka talked after about playing against a guy like this. You know, he too was like, you know, it's going to be interesting what to see a guy this big and able to move like this is able to do, but... We got game one out of the way, and and I'm with you. That's what everybody was tuning in for, and the worst thing in the world. It's kind of like you get to that big-time game, whether it's in the playoffs in the NBA or the NCAA tourney you know, in college, and you have the star players, and all of a sudden they get too early and they're on the bench, you know, two fouls early, and you're like, what the hell? You know, I mean, come on, ref, you're taking this away from us, you know? This is what we want to see, and because you're blowing the stinking whistle, whether you're right or wrong, we don't care. We want to see these guys on the court, and now they got to go sit. Yep, a lot of time sitting, which I have to imagine is tremendously difficult for a man of that size. He's got to go up and down a very long way here. Uh, for more on Victor Wembanyama, let's hear from the man himself post game on his assessment of what went down. Lots of emotions, of course, but, uh, you know, would have been perfect with a win. Felt surreal for a moment. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I just feel very lucky to be here. One of the toughest things for a player is you get into foul trouble and you never get in a rhythm and you're in and out of the game and that sort of thing. So I thought his maturity showed even at a young age where he came in with the last, I think, seven minutes and just played. We ran some stuff for him. He executed uh, where a lot of guys would have been totally out of it by then because they, as you said, uh, were in foul trouble and didn't get their rhythm. So I thought he had a, a wonderful outing. Man, a wonderful that, outing. <laughs> that's a reminder, too, that he's in the exact right place for yeah, all of this development. I agree. As we all talked about on draft night, sending a, a prospect from overseas to the organization yep. that's been at the forefront of developing, especially bigs in that mold with Greg Popovich. Who they I, they said during the broadcast, and I thought this was a cool reminder of why Pop's been as as revered as he is. Is they asked him who kind of the culture guys on his team were. You know, Richard Jefferson, who was on the broadcast and played in San Antonio for a while and been around those guys. And Pop even said, "I, I kind of got to be that guy right now because yeah. we're not in the place of the team where we've got one of those." And so I, I think even that was sort of a recognition. And uh, Dad, a great transition into. We looked around, there were some of the other things that went on in the NBA night one, and again, it's hard to overreact to too many of them because we get 81 more of these, but I don't know about you. Speaking of team culture, the Chicago Bulls uh, having a players-only meeting after game the one. first game of the season that they, they did. They lost to the Oklahoma City Thunder by 20 points, which I, I grant you, 
sucks. You know, Shane Childress Alexander went out there, balled all over him. They couldn't do anything to stop him. But I, 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 we got the reports after the game that Billy Donovan came into the locker room and basically got Heisman by the players. They were having a heated discussion. They asked if they could have the room to themselves. Dad, in your years of covering sports, of playing in the NFL for nine years, have you ever seen game one elicit this kind of emotional response from a group of men? No. No, I, I mean, this is a team that what in in, uh, in preseason well, where they go to Nashville, they hung out at Top Golf together in Nashville. That was their their bonding thing. And then game one, they get smoked by 20 and they're having a team team only. I mean, I, I was stunned. What, what the hell are you saying? Right. What, what you, could what you be that you mad about at this point? I mean, what what could you possibly be saying at this point? It's one of 82. You just started. I, I, I have no idea, but, you know, what are you going to do? Hey, if, if that's what they want to do, go ahead and do it. Not really sure what it's going to do, but there you go. This I, I this is two things. One, I wonder if this is an elaborate plot by Adam Silver to try and create the idea that there is more meeting in each individual NBA game because it's kind of like Major League Baseball season where for us, and a lot of it's because we cover football, we don't really pay attention to what's going on in the NBA until Christmas. We have the NBA on Christmas Day games. There's enough of a sample by then of what's going on, who's been good, who's been bad. It's hard to read too much into any one NBA game by and large, and so maybe this is creating a little bit more urgency around that since that's what Adam Silver wants anyway but this goes back to our original point here for some reason the sport of golf and really top golf has become this go-to thing for like sports teams that don't know what yeah. else to do and groups of men that don't like know what other activity to do besides certain thing this is like boy forced fun and so these guys going to Nashville and doing top golf and thinking, oh, this is going to be the team bonding we want. No, you end up roasting each other there. The guys who suck at golf feel bad about themselves, and maybe that simmered over here, and someone brought up someone's poor swing at the wrong time, and now all of a sudden stuff's popping off. Come on, I love top golf. I, that's what you go there for. You go there to rip one another, right? To mock each other's swing. I I do think it's a pretty good bonding place. I mean, oh, listen, I love top golf. They got great food. Yeah. Obviously, it didn't work for the Bulls unless they want to take a trip back there. But, yeah, we sit there and talk about, you know, not to get too overhyped about game ones. But in all honesty, what 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 a game in New York, right? Boston and the Knicks. I mean, Boston winning this. Knicks then have the lead. Christos Porzingis coming in, putting down 30 in his debut. He set his franchise record for most points in a Celtics debut over Dominique Wilkins, who put up 25 in 1994. Between him and Tatum, man, Porzingis looked phenomenal yeah, in that Knicks, game. Knicks fans, shield your eyes. Oh, my gosh. How about it? Going back and just rubbing it right in their faces as, as there was, you know, star after star at the Garden, as there normally is, uh, to watch this game and watch Porzingis just go off on his whole team. Yeah, no, we had that certainly lit up the scoreboard that first night. Fun game in the lead up to Big Vic's debut here. But Jesse, the other portion of the NBA beginning of the season that everyone's got circled is what's going on with James Harden. So what updates do we have about the 76ers star and his availability? Well, here's this. The Beard not going to be with the Sixers when they open the season. First in Milwaukee, then when they face the Raptors on the road. So he returned to Philly on Tuesday night, right? Okay. Bags packed ready to join the team on the road for Thursday, for today. And the 76ers then apparently asked him not to travel with the team. So he shows up. He's like, I got my knapsack. And they said, no, thank you. You're actually <laughs> not coming with us, okay? And so everybody's talking about this. 
Former 76ers coach Doc Rivers appeared on the Dan Patrick show Wednesday and said that James Harden basically like not being selected for the All-Star game changed his approach to the team for the worse. Take a listen. If you can keep him in that and and not want to chase numbers or, or want to score, the thirst of scoring, um, then you you have a terrific player. Yeah, but, but what changed can, though, Doc? What changed? He was playing perfectly, I thought, for you guys. Yeah. He really was. I, I would say not making the all-star team really bothered him. Um, and I thought that that was egregious. You know, the coaches just didn't put him on. He would never say this, but in my my gut, I thought it changed almost immediately. Remember about a game or two after that, he called me and said, hey, I want to start coming and playing with the second unit more. Um, and I know exactly what that means. Um, more shots more shots. I want to go back to attacking and playing. And, you know, we had our ups and downs from that point on. Uh, you know, it was funny about our relationship. It was an honest one. <laughs> I'll tell you that. It's probably why I'm doing TV. And with that level of honesty, Doc wow. might stay doing TV. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just not really, you know, everybody's been talking about how James Harden's being selfish here and this kind of contributes to that narrative well yeah i mean it does talk about a you know me first attitude but i mean we we had kind of had that thought process already it's not like it was like this this big revelation but it's just amazing a guy skips on a pre a, a preseason game skips on practices just shows up as jesse you said with his bags packed ready to go and they're like nah 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 why don't you why don't you sit uh, sit sit some of these out here we've seen that in the nfl like a you know with like a to and others or asked to basically stay away from the team and we'll pay you so i don't know where this one's gonna go but uh it, it's certainly not starting out good mike no no uh we'll see if there's any sort of players only meeting or top golf outing <laughs> for the 76ers to try and remedy the situation here but yeah something tells me this one is going to bleed on for a little bit here as we wait to see what's going on with james harden and the 76ers but coming up next it's thursday we got some football coming up tonight and certainly close to this weekend we'll get three for thursday as we look ahead next here on gojo and golik right here on the DraftKings network All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister U.S., White Plains, New York. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. It's time for 3-4 Thursday. So we start our look at week 8 in the NFL with some yes or no 
propositions for the goal. So let's start with the Pittsburgh Steelers, fellas, who despite a 24-point differential are 4-2, just a half a game behind the first-place Ravens in the AFC North. Now, here's head coach Mike Tomlin ahead of this week's matchup versus the Jags. It's going to be intense on what it will take for the Steelers to be considered one of the top teams in the AFC. There's a lot that has our attention. Um, There's a lot to be excited about, man. It's good to be in big games versus good people. Um, as we work to find the type of traction that's going to be required for us to be included in that discussion. Um, we roll up our sleeves and, and go to work and, 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 and carry that urgency and excitement and preparation so that it can be uh, borne out in play. Okay, guys, so to kick off three for Thursday, yes or no, the Steelers will prove they are for real this week versus the 5-2 and two Jags. What do we think? So, Dad, this starts off, and I think the premise of this question would be, are the Jags now a measuring stick game? Would you consider the Jags and beating them, who, based on their record, based on what we expect for them inside that division in the AFC South, and at this point in the season, would you consider beating Jacksonville, who is a very good football team, but also a very flawed football team in certain ways, especially offensively, once you get past that opening drive script, would that be enough for you in beating them? No, oh, no, it, it wouldn't. Jacksonville is not... At this point, the team we thought they would be, maybe we were expecting more than what we should right now. But for Pittsburgh, a team I was expecting, I think this is more the fact, did did you expect Pittsburgh to be anywhere but fourth in the division this year? I didn't. I thought they would be behind Baltimore and Cleveland and Cincinnati. And I think most people had them fourth. You know, they're sitting here at four and two. They've won the last two games. So to me, another win, putting three in a row together, that would, for forgetting who the opponent is, you know, and beating the Ravens was huge. The Rams, you know, the Texans, you know, are, are playing. They lost to the Texans, but they beat the Raiders. And they did beat the Browns as well. So, I, I, to me, it's more not the opponent, but Pittsburgh being consistent and winning three in a row, just having the two losses with the expectations that they were going to be the last in that division with an offense where the running game hasn't really gotten going. You have George Pickens, who, my God, is averaging almost 19 yards a catch as your leading receiver, which is cool. Your second leading receiver is a running back, your backup true running back to Najee Harris. And your defense, while at times plays well, statistically they're awful. But this is, again, why you don't always look at stats out there because I think they, they're playing better than their statistics are. So to me, it's more just a measuring stick of Pittsburgh being consistent now for three weeks in a row and trying to get three wins in a row. Yeah, I would say, and to your point about that, counting stats, not really in favor of the Steelers right now, Dad, but uh, our friend Aaron Schatz over at FTN and the Almanac that he uh, does going into the season, they've got their DVOA metric, which is a much more advanced efficiency metric that adjusts for opponent. The Steelers are eighth in defensive DVOA, so that recognizes that, hey, in most situations, they've actually been a lot better than people would think looking at a lot of the counting stats for them. I would still lean Jacksonville in this game, Dad. When you look at Pittsburgh, they've got a negative point differential on the year, and they're second in the NFL in turnover differential. And I think if we learned anything last year from teams like the uh, New York Giants or teams like the Minnesota Vikings, you got to kind of look at how somebody has managed to win. Like, yes, inside the AFC North, always going to be hell in the cell. For whatever reason, when you play the Pittsburgh Steelers and it's a, it's a division game, it's going to devolve into a rock fight, and that's advantage them, especially now with Deontay Johnson back healthy. 
fascinated to see how this is going to continue to look, but I would still lean Jacksonville's way in this game. That's also a defense that has quietly been, I think, better than most people think of when they think of Trevor Lawrence and an offensive-led team. That group's been led by the defense. So I would go no on this one. I think the Jags actually get the win in that I, game. I agree. I go no, and I forgot Johnson back, too. That that obviously is big for the, the, uh, the, the Steelers. I do get that, but I'm still with you. I go no, and I go Jacksonville. All right, Dad, let's go yes or no here. The Patriots will get back into the AFC East race with a win over the Miami Dolphins this weekend. And I'm just going to say right out front, probably no. Now, the biggest factor in this is Tyreek Hill, who missed practice on Wednesday with a hip injury. Uh, Dad, he has not missed a game since he came over to the Dolphins in that trade in 2022. How do you feel about this one? New England coming off probably their biggest performance of the season. Oh, without a doubt, their biggest performance. And, and, and Miami playing another top team and a lot of people saying okay this is why we say you've only beaten you know lesser teams and you go against a better team and you get beat as i was you know there and calling that philadelphia miami game and philadelphia did dominate uh that game you know you have hill uh nicked up you have Mostert, the running back nicked up uh, we keep talking about the speed that and they still make you hold your breath every play because of the ability to be a home run hit, whether it's a hitch or whether it's a go ball, you know, it doesn't matter. They can go all the way here. I just, Mike, I just don't think that they, that New England can do enough here. I, I get it coming off their best performance understood. It was a, it was a great performance by them uh, uh, beating the bills. Maybe we look more at the bills at this than the Patriots, but there's no way that they can score with Miami if Miami can score. Now, remember, Miami's offense was held to 10 points against that Philadelphia defense because Miami got a pick six as well. So if Miami can get back to their scoring ways, New England can't match that. So it's, again, going to fall on that New England defense to do what Philadelphia did in slowing down that Miami offense and keeping them out of the end zone. Yeah, I think from here on out until the Dolphins' offensive line is consistently healthy, yeah. we are now going to be focused on that area and how you can affect Tua in this passing game with that. Because even if Tyreek Hill's out, there's still a lot of weapons there. Now, you're starting to get a little bit dangerously close. Devon Achan, who's already been out, one of your home run hitters in the backfield. Jalen Waddle's more than capable of sliding into that one role, I believe. But you're starting to whittle away some of those weapons, and as the options get fewer, the focus is going to be up front. And the Patriots have weathered a lot of injury up front with some of the players that they've lost in their group with Matthew Judon and some of the guys in the secondary, Christian Gonzalez. But they're so deep there, Dietrich Wise and a lot of those dudes they roll through in those end off-ball linebacker bodies really stepped up last week and made life difficult for Josh Allen in the pocket. So if they can do that, they've got a chance. I would still pick Miami in this game, but I think quietly how Mac Jones performs three in a row after the last two weeks, his completion percentage up near 80%, 77.8, has said a lot about that. Dad, let's get to one more here. Three for Thursday, yes or no. After a bye week to prepare, the Bengals are going to hand the Brock Purdy list, potentially 49ers their third straight loss. Brock Purdy entered the concussion protocol yesterday, uh, delayed onset after uh, a hit people think he might have taken uh, on a quarterback sneak late in that game. Yeah, I, th this is going to be interesting. So he is in concussion protocol. Sam Darnold could get the start. Cincinnati's won two in a row. Are they starting to kind of become the team that we are all expecting to probably challenge Baltimore for that division title. We'll still wait and see on that. But they're on the upswing, San Francisco on the downswing. The big question here is, I guess even with Purdy, Debo Samuel is out again uh, for this one. 
Uh, even if Purdy is back, he's had a couple of, of pedestrian games, but it's all not on him, as we know. It's, it's on the entire team. That defense certainly didn't come through in the last game. I know a lot of people, and I think you're going to go that way with Sam Darnold. Yeah, I, buddy. I, if Sam Darnold starts, I'm sorry. There's enough tape on Sam Darnold. Well, I'm not just going to sit here and say he's going to go off in his first game. He's still Sam Darnold at a time. All right, w- he's going to turn you, the ball re- over. If if Sam Darnold throws for over 300 yards and multiple touchdowns, will you retire? I will not retire because that's a r- ridiculous kind of ploy to do, knowing full well you're not going to retire. But I'm also not going to walk around in you know 49ers bikini and wear a sign. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to so say congratulations, Sam. So nice you're game. a little good job. So you're a little afraid of Sam Darnold the way I, I'm you not, should be. I, no, you're a little afraid of Sam no, Darnold because no. you know what's about to happen. No, you know I'm a he's about to throw for that does, and he's I, about to throw for three touchdowns because whenever no. the most chaotic thing can happen involving Sam Darnold, that's when it happens. And you invited a mistress into no. the house when Kyle Shanahan brought him over this offseason, and he's going to go ball in this offense and all that sexy ability. Good sex Sam Darnold is about to show back up before the interception version of Sam Darnold. Yeah, and he's yeah. going to make everybody wonder, hey, this guy's always been talented. He's a first-round pick. This could be our moment. I, I, He definitely has the best talent around him more than he had it with the Jets, that's for sure. But I still I still don't see it. And I'm, I'm actually leaning towards Cincy getting their third win in a row. I would pick the 49ers in this game because there is no surer force in the universe than Sam Darnold with a chance to make some narrative headlines, baby. (laughs) Speaking of headlines, Michigan, for the love of God, just stop making them. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Gojo and Gola. Just when you thought the Michigan cheating scandal could not get more scandalous or have more twists, here we are. Appearing on 97.1 The Fan in Columbus, New York Times bestselling author John U. Bacon, these names, discussed the ongoing (laughs) scandal in Ann Arbor, saying they're getting leaks like crazy from the NCAA. Watch a guy named Jim Stapleton. Stapleton is a Michigan alum who blackballed Harbaugh when he was interviewing with the Minnesota Vikings because he, Stapleton, was on the board for the Minnesota Vikings. Now he's got himself on the NCAA infractions committee. So he's saying he hates Jim Harbaugh. It doesn't matter who the source is or if it's right or wrong. If Michigan did it, they'll still pay a price, but that's not the point. You can't kill the messenger. But as far as the leaking goes, I would guarantee you that's where it's coming from. So now we have a mole on the NCAA infractions committee. 
As if the name Connor Stallions wasn't enough, now we are fully in Lifetime movie territory, guys. I mean, we're one more day from like Seymour Butts being the next name. <laughs> I know. Somehow has I a know. role in this. Yeah. We've also reached and. I, I, I mean, now the second very high-profile manifesto from a Michigan grad, but uh, Michigan's Connor Stallions, a 500 to 600-page manifesto, apparently called the Michigan Manifesto, where he envisioned leading Michigan football one day and put down and penned all of his plans for how he would scout, run, and develop the program here. Dad, every detail that emerges in this is more chaotic than the last. We also saw yesterday that among the pieces of evidence from an outside law firm was a detailed schedule of Michigan's planned sign-stealing travel for the rest of the season. So they were apparently very good at allotting resources, allegedly, to go out and procure these signs, just very bad at covering their tracks with all of this. So... Dad, does any of this make you feel more or less inclined to believe that something could happen this season? Because that seems to be the metric we're all grading on now, right? Is will any detail come out that would expedite this process enough, either from the Big Ten side, who can certainly investigate this and do things of their own accord from the NCAA side, or anywhere else that would actually get something to happen and affect this year's Michigan team? So if, if video comes out of this, obviously video is damning. But even if you get the video and then all, then you're going to get Harbaugh, who's already said, I don't know nothing about it. Now, who knows if this is like the plausible deniability thing where the underlings handle it so he doesn't know what's going on, you know, and, and, and is that happening? So video would be damning, but then there could be deniability from Harbaugh. And then it's proving, you know, are, are we going to believe if Connor Stallions is now interviewed and says, yes, they told me to do it. And all of they being the coaches said, we never said a word. Now it's a, he said, he said, I, I to me, Mike, I don't think anything's happening. We know the NCAA moves at a snail's pace. We know the big 10 can jump in and, and they can penalize, but the only ways they can penalize are fines, which who cares? And suspension. So are they going to suspend Jim Harbaugh? Again, is that going to matter? Harbaugh will still find his way in there, and that could hurt certainly in the later games or in the uh, in the postseason. But they can't, because what I was wondering is, when we talk about this year, could they say you are ineligible for postseason play? That would be it, right? Yeah. And, that and that I mean, would be the well, thing. That, I that want would, to find out if it. the Big Ten can do more than just fine, because the fine that they got was for... The fine that we're using as a reference point for this is from the Michigan-Michigan State tunnel fight last year where they fined Michigan right. State $100,000 as a university. And I don't think, like, for something like that, a postseason ban was never going to be on the table. No. Things like we're talking about for this, it's very different. But I didn't see anything about what the Big Ten can and can't I, do. I did. I, I saw they have, now, again, maybe there's more, but what I saw is they have two avenues, fining and suspending. Uh, because that's what I wanted to see. Did they have the ability to say you are not eligible for postseason play? Meaning Big Ten championship game where the NCAA could go even further and say past championship games, bowl games, i.e. being in the playoffs. And there's, there's no way, in my opinion, I don't know what you think, that the NCAA will act this fast to do it this year. And I don't think the, the Big Ten has the ability. Now, again, I could be wrong on that one, but I think it's either fining 
or suspending is where they can go. This, to me, seems like one of those things that's going to play out. And two years from now, let's just go forward and say Michigan wins the national championship. Two years from now, the NCAA will do like they did of Reggie Bush and said, we know you were the best player in college football, and we know everybody else knows it, but give us that Heisman back. You're not having that statue anymore. You know, and that's what they would do two years from now is they would say, uh, Michigan, we knew you were the best team in the in the country. And there would be a lot of people that say, well, we know why they were because they were stealing signs. But now you're not anymore. That's, that's where it still comes down to all this minutia, Mike, which we love to talk about, mainly because of the names involved. But as people are listening to this, are they are they getting to the blah, 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 we don't care about, you know, what's going on with the Ooh. duck's feet underwater. Just give us give us what's going to happen. Because for I, those that want to see bad things happen to Michigan and Jim Harbaugh, that's what they want to see. I don't care how it gets there. Just show us you're going to do something bad against Michigan. And I don't think that's going to happen this year. I don't think the detractors care nearly as much about that as they do about undermining Michigan's credibility as a good team. Like now you've got people going back and pouring over tape and the results against specific opponents and who they scouted and didn't scout. Because again, we're talking about a pretty expansive process here. I saw Nicole Arbach tweet an article from the, uh, a quote from the Washington Post article. In total, the people said, Michigan's sign-stealing operation was expected to spend more than $15,000 this season, sending scouts to more than 40 games played by 10 opponents. So pretty expansive and a lot of people affected. And I think, Dad, for most of Michigan's detractors, this is just being used to say, oh, they're not actually that good. And oh, this is why they're good. Because if I'm up, if I'm someone upset about this, and I've said I've struggled to find myself truly bothered by this, maybe right. because in the grand scheme of college football, we've seen actual awful things done by universities yeah. and the yeah. people involved that this especially because I know how difficult it is to still affect outcomes, even if you know all of this stuff or think you know all this stuff on the field is I've struggled to get all that upset about that right. even yeah. now. But I recognize punishment is likely coming, and deservedly, yes. because you got caught. I said the other day, right. it's like when I got caught for my minor intoxication. I wasn't technically doing anything that other people weren't doing drinking underage, but I got caught, and it's against the rules technically, and so you pay the price on that. But, Dad, I think for the people that are upset about this, there is some solace for any fan who's usually hating. You want to just find out, oh, that's why they're better than us. It's not because they have better players or because their school's inherently cooler or their coach is that much better than ours. People now have their hook and saying, well, you're seeing signs, and so you can undermine their credibility if you're one of their rivals or detractors. Yeah, that's exactly right. And Michigan, you know what? They don't care. They're, and I doubt they're going to care, right? Yeah. And as Eli Drinkwitz, the coach of Missouri, told us, he said, you know, if if there's no advantage to it, why does why do people try and do it? Right. Yeah, why did they send 40 yeah, scouts yeah. to 10 different and, games and, or whatever? And we heard Deion Sanders say, OK, you could mail him a game plan, but you still have to execute. And he's right. But you definitely have an advantage if you know the sign. So. I, I still think the bottom line of this, Mike, is nothing will happen this year outside of, yeah, whatever you do is tainted. You know, great, you won this, it's tainted. And on Michigan side, they're not going to care. They're going to scream we didn't know anything about it, whether they did or they didn't. But I'll be interested where in uh, a year or two down the road, when they finally come back with some violations, uh, what, what exactly might happen to Michigan. It makes me think of Bill Self's Kansas basketball team. 
that in the midst of an NCAA probe was firing money cannons on opening night, yeah. midnight madness, <laughs> yeah. and then won a national, like, yeah. and then went out there and won again yeah. in the face of all of this. Yeah. So we don't yeah. have to look back that far to see what a team embroiled mm-hmm. and what at the time that college basketball probe was supposed to be the biggest thing in the world. Yep. And we watched the team tap dance all over it. So I, I look at this and say, Michigan really just got to put their head down and keep winning football games. That's about their only recourse right now because it does heighten the fact that this is a championship or bust season in a lot of ways. J.J. McCarthy in his final season on campus. A lot of your best players have built up to this moment. Really got to go out there and get the ring this year because if not, it's going to get messier and it's going to get harder going forward if you're the Michigan Wolverines after 500, 500 pages. Good God. That's a lot. Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIT. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. So before we take a gander ahead at the actual college football this weekend, two important uh, points of parliamentary procedure Mm -hmm. for this Michigan (laughs) sign-stealing stuff. So we had reached the point where Connor the Stallions, uh, apparently the architect of this entire mastermind sign-stealing agenda for Michigan, the former Marine had written a manifesto, 500 to 600 pages, pen down of his plans to one day lead the Michigan football program, yeah. wow. um, which it sounds like he wants to be the coach, which if I'm yes. Jim Harbaugh, I'm kind of like, yeah, and, I mean, I'm I guess starting to look over my, yeah, look over my shoulder a little bit here, right? Like we've heard about coaches having a binder ready when they go in for their meetings, yeah. but if I'm a prospective employer and you hand me 500 to 600 pages and then call it a manifesto and mm-hmm. Jesse was the one that pointed yes. this out. To be a manifesto, I think you technically have to be like published or public. And we looked it up. A manifesto is a public declaration of policy and aims, especially one issued before an election by a political party or a candidate. And so really, Jesse, you pointed out this is just a diary now. It's a very sad handwritten book. It is a diary. (laughs) It is a diary. And we will refer to it as Connor Stallion's diary moving forward. <laughs> I was right, going to say, let, let's not give him the satisfaction of calling it the Michigan Manifesto, right? It's it's this guy's diary. Yep. I love yeah, that. This is, this is Connor <laughs> the Stallion's diary henceforth on this show. The other thing that's interesting about this, and, and Dad, I, I think because I spend so much time in college football, you've covered and called games recently and covered the sport for a long time. 
when you're in it, this stuff is uniquely college football because, again, as we've talked yeah. to and heard from all these courses, coaches, high school, they don't have to worry about this. NFL, they don't have to worry about this because of huddling and because of the units put in the heads, the communication from coach to player. All that stuff, college football just leaves itself open to this because we can't help but be the dumbest sport possible whenever given the opportunity. And I had someone who covers the NFL more often than not text me yesterday, and they were like, so coaches all admit to stealing signs and trying to do this off the TV copy. So is Michigan essentially getting in trouble for trying too hard at this? And that's essentially what it seems like, right? Is they're getting in trouble because they were too organized with this and a little bit too exact in the way they went about it instead of doing it the old-fashioned way and just looking over and trying to do it the way everybody else did. They tried to be too good at the thing that everybody admits that they do. Listen, it's just about getting caught. You you talked it about your underage drinking. Every, a lot of kids are doing it. You got caught. We go on the highways every every single day. 80% of the people are speeding, but those that get a ticket are the ones that got caught. I mean, I, I'm not we're not going to sit here and say every single college does this or, or but but a lot do, maybe not to this extent, but some extent of trying to get an edge. That's the key. You're always trying to get an edge, and at times it flirts with the line of right and wrong against the rules or not against the rules. And some, if you don't get it's like holding. It's like a penalty on the field. If they didn't call it, it didn't happen, even though we see holding right there. We saw it. That dude was holding. You know, but it didn't get called, so you know what? It didn't happen. So that's where we are right now. I don't care how cute you got or whatever, however you tried to pull it off. You got caught. Bottom line, and if you get caught, just like you said with your underage drinking, you pay the price, whether it's legally or getting up at five in the morning and running stadium steps and puking, you know, for two weeks. Whatever it is, you have to pay the consequences for it, even though you can sit there and scream, everybody else was doing it. It doesn't matter. You're the one that got nicked. Guys, this is just like the college admissions scandal, Operation Varsity Blues, like where they were yeah. paying a consultant to get their kids into these schools, paying all this money. Right. Just make the $3 million <laughs> donation to the school. Right. People have been doing it forever. <laughs> People do it all the time. It works. It's how they get into school. And then it's like, you just tried too hard. You hired a consultant. You did. Just do it the old-fashioned yeah. way. Yep. Yeah. That's that Jesse. That is the perfect synopsis. It is left the paper trail. Yeah. Michigan tried too hard at this. Yeah, they tried so hard and got so far, but in the end, it doesn't oh. even matter. Word to Lincoln Park. Wow, um, doesn't even matter. Let's okay. uh, let's look ahead to this weekend, guys. Uh, Jesse, we got a hell of a slate coming up this weekend in college football. Yeah, five games this week with the top twenty-five team taking on a five-win unranked squad, which is interesting because in the world of college football, we did see two top twenty-five teams fall last. Last week, so then number 10 UNC fell to Virginia. Number 24 Iowa dropped a 12-10 decision to Minnesota. So this has us all thinking, like, should we be on upset watch here, guys? If you look at this, number one Georgia at Florida, number three Ohio State at Wisconsin, number six Oklahoma at Kansas, BYU at number seven Texas, and number 21 Tennessee at Kentucky. So guys, who should be on upset watch this week? We're concerned. We saw it happen twice last week. To, to me, it, it's only uh, Tennessee at Kentucky, Mike, as I look at this. Sure. I, 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 Georgia, I don't see having a problem with Florida, uh, Ohio State over Wisconsin, Oklahoma, at Kansas. They, they had a, a, a bad loss. And I don't see BYU doing it to Texas, even with a backup quarterback. So I could see Kentucky taking out Tennessee. That would really be the only one that I look at and see. 
I think I'm less concerned about an upset with any of the rest of the teams you mentioned there and more concerned about how things look. Like, we've got the first round of college football playoff rankings that come out next Tuesday, and you've got Michigan and Georgia that have been 1-2 and two the entire season and both really haven't played anybody. Georgia, you could argue, with Kentucky, but that loss – or that win, excuse me – isn't aging quite as well given Kentucky's last couple of performances. But Georgia, how they look without Brock Bowers is going to be huge because even when they get him back, hopefully as they get them back, having that tightrope procedure on his ankle, you're going to be wondering, is he going to be as explosive as he used to be? Are we going to be able to use him in all the same ways? Because we've seen quarterbacks come back from that. We've seen a number of people get that surgery, but for a guy as big, explosive, and important as he is, how that offense looks, Mike Bobo's unit, without Brock Bowers, who's been their most important player, I'm fascinated in that against this Florida team in the cocktail party. And then with Texas, Dad, it really yes. – well, go ahead. Do you, have, do you have something there or do you want to No, no, that? no. I was going to say the Texas with, again, the backup Malik Murphy going to be – what a what a good-sized dude. What, 6'5", yeah. about 240? He is a hoss. And he's behind Quinn Ewers. A lot of people are wondering. Arch Manning came yeah. in with all the bravado, and, and he's third team right now, so he'll be the backup to Murphy in this game. Maybe you'll see him some in this game. But that one is going to be interesting to me in a situation where you thought a guy like Murphy would maybe jump in the portal because we've seen that from other quarterbacks. He stayed there and now gets his chance, and we'll see how long he's going to get his chance. But I'm real interested in the way he looks going forward here. Yeah, and I think in general, just for that Texas team, you know, Texas, Oklahoma, um, you could even throw, God, I'm blank, a Washington who laid, a, laid an egg last week, didn't even have an offensive touchdown. There are a lot of teams that are – Outside of that group, we talked to Richard Johnson earlier in the uh, earlier in the week, and he pointed out it's kind of Michigan and Georgia, and then everybody else right now in terms of the consistency that we've seen so far in this season. And so for the rest of those teams that are right there, and I thought Washington was the closest to flirting with that line. I know you picked them to be in the college football playoff yep. before the season, but. Everyone else has to come out and show, hey, we're not going to play with our food. We're going to go out here and execute at a high level. Oregon's got Utah this week, which is going to be a really stiff test based on the Utah team that we saw take down USC. And so I think there's a lot of people, as you're getting ready, because I don't want to boil down the whole sport to the college football playoff. But, Dad, in the last year of the four-team playoff, with as many competitive teams as we've seen, that jockeying for position with the third and fourth spot is going to be huge. And a lot of these teams yep. are going to have marquee wins. You could argue Ohio State and Florida State probably have the best wins right now in terms of volume of quality opponents played. We know Washington got a huge win in front of a lot of eyes against right. Oregon a couple just a couple of weeks ago. And on and on down the list. And so how you present that final argument going into the first rating is going to tell us a lot about what this committee does end up valuing. It, it does. But but at the, the end of the day, you look at the end of the season, you're probably going to get two rematches, right? You're probably going to get Washington yeah. and Oregon again. You're probably going to get Texas, Oklahoma again. So that will that will obviously throw a little little monkey wrench into what's going on from the beginning of these rankings. Let me ask you right now, and the game's not for a while yet. Ohio State, Michigan. If you're Ohio State, and I don't mean right now, the week of Ohio State, Michigan, you change every signal, do you not? Yes, you should have. Right? Any, I mean, I've well, but even now, kind of, yes. In case they're out, still, you know, trying to get away with it now. That week, right? You change every signal you have going into that week, do you not? 
Oh, absolutely. And Ohio State's done this before. Like, remember, they were the team, I believe, that was playing Clemson when everyone thought Brent Venables was on the sideline hawking signs, and they sugar huddled, and they changed their signs, which is what everyone should be doing. Should be doing, Which is, again, why I never got too upset about this situation, because part of this takes two to tango, Mm -hmm. and if you're not changing your signs when you've got this assumption of what's going on, that's on you, brother.